This podcast is powered by Masterpiece Kingdom Brands. This episode is made possible by ownothingnonprofit.org. Hi, everyone. Today's show is something I've been looking forward for so long. And joining with me on today's podcast is from San Antonio, Texas, author, creative entrepreneur, and just simple genius. Please welcome Jonathan Malm. How are you? Doing well. It's a good day. Well, I just call you genius. And I think in all aspects, that is true. I just wanted to share to our listeners that back in 2014, I ran into this devotional book entitled Created for More. And it was your book. I think it was your very first book, right? Yeah, it was. I had no clue who you were. I had no idea what you were doing. The first time I heard about your name was when I was looking for a inspiration for like a church Easter stage design or something like that. And then somehow I was pointed to this book. And what was really cool about this book is that it was really very encouraging for me because at that time I had a book in my hand that was very crucial in my career, in my walk as a Christian, in my own journey. You can go check it out. This book is very encouraging and it's very simple. It's just really challenging us how to be creative and how to be creative with a purposeful mindset for a greater purpose. It helped me decide to take a leap of faith and then hence I went to South Africa and Jonathan even actually sent a copy to me and that signed copy I gave to someone there. I'm sure she was very blessed and that was really, really cool. But yeah, just a backstory of why today is very special. So this interview has been more than seven years of anticipation. So Jonathan, thank you so much. And as I've introduced, you are an author, you've written a couple of books and beyond what you're doing now, can you please just share more about what you actually do and how did you end up writing all these kind of books? Yeah, I don't think my family still knows what I do because in general, I find something that I want to do and then I do it. I run a business with my business partner. It's called Sunday Social and we create a library of social media graphics that churches can use. We create sort of a social media calendar for churches and then create the graphics part of it. But it's a purchase subscription, get access to the whole library. So it's kind of cool. So I get a chance to work with a ton of creatives, a bunch of designers, a bunch of video people, photographers, me and my business partner, Joe Cavazos, who's just this titan in the design world. So we get a chance to do that, which is really fun. Then I get a chance to write books as well with my co-writing partner, Jason Young. We pretty much work with each other on every project because we like each other. There have been no equal clashes, which is difficult whenever you talk about writing a book and wanting to speak and wanting yeah. to, you know, be famous or whatever you want. That's a lot of times I think why people want to write a book because they feel like, oh, I'm going to be well known. No one will recognize you. You know, it's not going to make you a lot of money, but it's a lot of fun to be able to put your thoughts out and help people hopefully make big changes in their lives, make big changes in the ministry, big changes in their leadership. So love getting a chance to do that. And then, yeah, otherwise I just find projects and, you know, I try things and see if they make money. If they don't make money, I stop doing them. So my current new project is an Airbnb that my wife and I launched this month. We're hoping that makes money, but it might not. And that's okay. (laughs) 
Absolutely. You make it sound so easy. I went to Sunday Social and I love the headline that says, Better design, more time for ministry. That's a very, very good line because I think a lot of ministries really stress about this platform on social media. How did you guys come up with the idea? COVID really revealed suddenly for every single church in the world, this tension. But there was a tension growing where 10 years ago, your job as a minister or as a church creative or whatever was to build the best Sunday experience you could. Sure, maybe there was a midweek service or a Sunday night or a few ministries here and there, but it was all about that one to two to four hours, depending on your church background service. You know, It was about creating the best thing you could, putting all of your energy toward that. Social media comes along and now it's it's a way that we can communicate with people who attend our church or for businesses to communicate with their customers. Suddenly we have 167 other hours to worry about. And those same people whose whole job was focused on Sunday now suddenly have way more work. And Absolutely. You know, we haven't really caught up with that. And so COVID obviously accelerated that because now we no longer had that one hour or we did, you know, we live streamed or, but really we didn't have a way to communicate with our people except through social media. So we suddenly realized if we don't have social media, if we don't have email, if we don't have these digital tools to communicate with people. We have nothing. Our world is instant communication. 20 years ago, you could call someone, you could stop by their house, but it wasn't very instant. It was very personal one-on-one, but if you have a church of 200, 300, people, man, that's hard, that ministry. And you can't even necessarily go to their house because of the COVID Absolutely. restrictions, right? So it just accelerated the understanding of that pressure for a lot of people. So I'm really glad we launched six years ago. So we got a chance to really create a library and really figure out our processes. And then when COVID happened, we suddenly laser focused and realized exactly wow. what churches needed us to do, which was really to help with discipleship. Discipleship doesn't end on social media, but you can yeah. disciple people on social media. So that's been our content focus for the last three years is really how can we help people through these posts, through these social media posts and graphics and designs? How can we help them take just one step, small step toward Jesus, right? Like we can't expect yeah. them to take a big giant leap yeah. with this post, right? But it's like, I need to forgive that person or I'm dealing with some fear and I need to submit that to Jesus. So how can we do that through our social media posts? And that's really our content focus. That's really the main part of what I do is creating the content that then our designers can work with. I agree that the COVID has really exposed that part of ministry. And then I think what you guys are doing is really, really very good to the value it adds to the whole body of Christ. Now, I've really noticed so far as I've been following you for years that you really excel in creative work and it comes very naturally. It's, it's almost like you have this level of creative standard that you apply across anything that you put your hands into. I'm asking this question because I think a lot of churches maybe not necessarily in America or even outside, you know, wherever, there is this notion that when people see a Christian material, they have this specific bias or perception that it looks, I mean, I'm sorry for the word, but like it is real. Sometimes it feels just unnatural. But with you, I've observed that it has a different style. How important is that style or excellence that you put into your work in everything that you do? In general, what I try to do is do the opposite of what other people are doing. <laughs> Meaning I really don't want to follow what other people are doing because when you are chasing the trends of other churches or you're chasing the industry or whatever you want to call it, you're going to be creating stuff that adds no new value. I mean, with businesses, I've always wanted to start a business 
business that no one else is doing, or at least I can do it in a way that no one else is doing it, right? So Sunday Social, there was no one really helping churches with social media when we began. So that's what I wanted to start. If there had been 20 companies doing that already, I'm not really interested in that. So people are constantly asking us, will you make motion graphics? I'm like, there are great companies that are doing that. I don't want to do that because it is chasing the industry or it's chasing what's already happening instead of blazing a new trail. And I think I've just embraced that that's what I'm really good at. Like, I think different people have different skills. I used to think I was a designer. I used to think I was a songwriter, you know, all these things. And I can do those things. I've actually done those successfully, but that's not really my unique skill. And I think there's this thing that needs to happen with every creative where you understand this is uniquely what I have to offer. And I can do that through design or I can do that through songwriting. But this thing that's medium agnostic or that doesn't rely on the medium, this is what I have an innate built-in skill, aptitude, whatever you want to call it. And then you can learn how to apply that. And I think that helps create a uniqueness to what you put out. So you're no longer chasing the trends. You're no longer chasing the industry, but instead you're saying, what has God uniquely given me? And how can I put that into the world through these mediums? I think that's been a journey for me to figure out what that is for me for 10, 20, probably my whole life, right? But like really, especially I think in the last 10 years, I've understood like, yeah, this is what I have to offer. And that's frankly why I like to work with people. You notice most of my projects, I'm working with a partner because I can bring something to the table and they can bring something to the table and we both get to use what God has given us. And I think it really makes something cool. Wow. So that's more of a collaborative effort. And you mentioned this word, and it's a good word to pick up. You said you're always blazing a new trail. And it sounds exciting. You have obviously blazed a lot of trails, as you you said. Where do you get the courage to blaze a trail? So let's imagine you're on a trail, right? This is the trail. And they see something way off. And they say, I want to get there. And that's daunting. From this trail to over there is daunting. For me, I don't do that. I say, oh... There's something over here I want to get to. It's a small step away, right? It's not necessarily revolutionary. I'd say everything that I do is like, I want to help people with this. It's a small deviation from the norm. And I think what ends up happening when you work on a project for six years is it gets way off the path. It blazes a brand new trail to something very far off. But the Mm. initial idea was not that far off from what other people are doing. So seeing people have this perfectionist idea or this grand idea that can seem daunting to them. And that's not what you have to do. And I've seen this model for me from my dad my entire life. We never had a traditional job. We were missionaries in Guatemala. And then while he was there, he felt like God was telling him to start a missions agency, which is a daunting task, right? But like that first year, it was our family and another family. So he wasn't trying to launch whatever he has now, which is like 600 something missionaries around the world. He just needed to help this family do what God called them to do. And that was in this unique way that he found to do it, right? So, and then the next year it doubled. But again, only four families, our family and three other families, right? And so it was never that daunting of a task because he didn't have this massive vision. And that seems so contrary to like conferences and books that you read. You need to have a big vision. You need to paint it on the wall and make it clear. For me, that doesn't work. For me, it's like, hey, let's find that next step. What's the step I can take right now? And let's do that. And then as I take that step and I can see another opportunity and I take that next step. You climb a mountain one step at a time. You don't climb a mountain one leap at a time. Take those small steps and I think you can get to really cool places. Absolutely. What you're saying is that you obviously know what you want to do and 
the clarity of what God has given you and trying to help certain people, that's where you're coming from. And then you just take the next step. And you test. I also see this whole idea of entrepreneurship or of blazing a new trail, whatever you want to call it, starting something new is a lot like fencing where you have your sword and you're testing your opponent, right? Like you're not taking grand swipes, but you kind of test. You see, okay, is there a weakness here? Is there an opportunity here? And you just sort of test the environment and then something works and then you take advantage of it. And then you go back to testing and test and see what else happens. So I start so many businesses that probably the world never knows about because only a few people liked it and it just Mm. didn't take off, right? It's a test. That's a lot of times people will ask in these circles, like, what do you do when you have this big idea and you fail at it? I'm like, I failed two times a day, right? Like I fail constantly, but it's not failure. It's, oh, there wasn't an opportunity there. It was testing. It's not this big weight on your shoulder of like, oh, I failed so badly. It's if I tested and nope, that didn't work. So I'm going to test again. I think that liberates a lot of people thinking, you know, that it's okay to make a few mistakes. You don't need to get it all together. You make more mistakes than hits. I, I make so many more mistakes than successes. I am also curious, just because of the level of excellence that you put out and uh, the kind of work that you do. And over the years, you've kept your service in the Christian space. Has there ever been like an opportunity that was offered outside the Christian space? And if there was, why do you choose to stay in and being unapologetically serving the Christian people? Yeah. I mean, I'm not against serving other people. I just find that there's something that I can offer. It's what I've known. It's what I've experienced. For for my life, I grew up in ministry, right? And I've seen unique things being in Guatemala. So, you know, I saw mega churches in Guatemala and I saw the small churches in the villages that had one blown out speaker and a guy with a guitar without all strings. And you get to see the variety of it. You see different denominations have, you know, attended and been a part of Calvinist churches, word of faith churches, which are like the two opposite ends of the spectrum, right? And I have an appreciation for ministry and for church in general. And I don't feel like there's one model. So for me, I feel like I just have something, a unique perspective in that. I don't have a lot of perspective on real estate. Like, again, I'm doing real estate because I want to do it as an investment. It's, again, one of those kind of fun things to try. But consistently, what I feel like I have the most to offer in is going to be in ministry just because I've been able to see so much variety, which not a lot of people get a chance to see all that variety, you know? And obviously, I love the church. That's the thing that Jesus is building. So if Jesus is building it and he thinks it's important, then I should probably think it's important too. So there's a lot of things at play there. But yeah, and the big thing is just, I've seen, especially my dad in ministry, a lot of people, you know, when you're in ministry, you get shot at. Yeah, I was about to ask about that. Yeah. Yeah, you do get shot at. And even things that are not, people aren't intentionally shooting at you, but you know, they leave and then you hear how dissatisfied they were after the fact, you know, when they never had that conversation with you and it hurts. And then some of your best friends leave and you're like, wow, that really hurts. Being a pastor's kid, I feel like I experienced a lot of those hurts, but I always saw my dad was able to keep a pure heart through that and learning how to forgive. It's pretty fun. I feel like the church is as messy as it is. It's this beautiful picture of what God loves and what we can do, what we can accomplish together, even through all the mess. I think it's pretty awesome. Speaking of mess and discouragement, you've been serving for all of your life. Even Has there ever been a time that you got, got discouraged or did you ever had a period of burning out and describe to us how you overcame it? Yeah, it was probably consistently for everyone. It was during COVID, right? 
especially in the U.S. I know the rest of the world experienced this to a degree, but in the U.S. there was just this weird mix of political outrage, of perspective on the virus outrage and how the politics needed to respond to it and mixing it with somehow the national response was actually a spiritual thing. And there was a lot of that rage and then it came out in different ways. So, you know, we create a graphic for Halloween, which is people have very different opinions about that, but we would post it out on social media and people would attack us past like the people that we're serving, the people that we love, and they're attacking us. And again, that's the same thing that happens in ministry. The people that you're called to serve are the ones that are shooting at you. And it can get discouraging. There was a time where I'm like, oh, I just want to stop doing this. And it just came back coming to a place of hell, remembering why I'm doing it, remembering that the squeaky wheels are not the whole group. You know, there's a few mm. people who ruin it for everyone, but that's not the majority of people. There's a few people that are really loud and they consequently make it seem like the whole world is mad at you. And most people aren't even thinking about you, first of all. <laughs> but, you know, most people are like, yeah, you know, they're cheering you on. They're in the stands cheering you on. There's just a lot of things you can do long term to maintain health and to maintain that edge. I feel like I've just been intentional about keeping those part of my life, part of my lifestyle. Your latest book coming out is entitled Don't Burn Out, Burn Bright. How to Thrive in Ministry for the Long Haul. I mean, that is a very, very good title, and I'm sure it will bless people. But can you talk about this book as what you've just mentioned? Jason and I, we've acknowledged in our own lives, either areas of failure or areas we've done things right, that there are sort of 10 pillars of health or pillars of healthy, high-functioning leadership that have survived in ministry, people that have burnt out in ministry, ourselves. And we evaluate those and help people see where they can be a little bit healthier so they can actually keep surviving in ministry. We actually created this assessment that's on the website, don'tburnoutburnbright.com that kind of goes through those things and helps you evaluate, ah, this is an area where I might need to work on health. There's sort of 10 pillars and trusting other people, releasing control rather, the idea of humility, the idea, which is in our sake, in our context, it's more about not making it all about your vision, but actually ministering to the people that are on your team. Because so often it can be, especially in churches, everyone is there to accomplish the ministry of the pastor or the leader. And it can get very narcissistic, right? Like it can be very, yeah, like, ah, yeah. about me. And, and you know, and you say it's about the organization, but really it's about you, right? And then, you know, so there's that element. There's obviously spiritual health. There is perfectionism, killing that perfectionism thing that you have. Yeah, so there's just 10 of them. And we go through each one and just help people see a unique perspective on it that when you get these things in a line, they can help you function well. You kind of clear the goop out of the pipes so that things can flow through well. That's a very important tool to have, especially in the times we're in now, when you have the momentum and the hype of the, you know, the we're going to do whatever and it's just amazing and it's you have all that hype. The most important thing is the sustainability of things and not burning out and losing yourself in the process even. Because, you know, I think especially in ministry, a lot of people are waiting on our obedience and it's not really about us per se. That's the thing about leadership. You get into it because you want to work hard, like you want to do things, you want to work hard, you don't want to take it easy and get your weekly massage, all of these self-care approaches are like, you know, go golfing on the weekends and take a year off. And like, those are all good and stuff, but that doesn't resonate with a lot of leaders who are like, no, I want to accomplish something. I have a vision. I want to do something and I want to work hard, but at the same time, I don't want to burn out. So the goal of the book is to help you actually do something of value and significant, but not 
lose yourself in the process. So we're excited about this book and we hope our listeners are enthusiastic to get a copy of it and read it. And I'm sure it will help not just churches, but also like families of our pastors and leaders. And Jonathan, my last question would be, if you could talk to yourself, if you could talk to the little child back in Guatemala right now and you can talk to him, what would you say to him given the experience and the knowledge that you have now? Man, yeah. I don't know. Appreciated the journey of life, right? Like every little thing that I've been through, I feel like all contributes to things. So in a sense, you don't want to shortcut that, right? Like I wanted to be a magician for a while. And that was, you know, I still have like a little box of magic tricks that I have in my closet that like I still do every now and then that are fun. You know, I wanted to be a web designer. I wanted to be a stuntman. All of these different things, these dreams that I had. I'm an artist, a comedian, an actor, different things. And I feel like they've all contributed to who I am and even what I do in some way. So I would just encourage myself to say, hey, keep trying things. Even if it is such an absurd idea that you have, try it and dive into it and have fun with it because I feel like that's what I did. That's what I want to encourage my son with at least. I want to say, hey, you know, if you have a dream, let's try it. Let's get super interested in it. Let's get nerdy about it. Even if other people don't understand, let's just dive into it. And then it's okay to change too. You don't have to stay with that for your whole life. That doesn't have to be your identity for the whole life. That's probably what I would say is just like, yeah, keep going. I love it. Be nerdy about it. (laughs) That's so cool. Jonathan, how can our people get access to you and where can they touch base and connect with you if just in case they want to know more about your books where can they purchase them and yeah yeah so jonathanmalm.com is my website but then instagram is where i do the majority of my stuff i make silly little videos every day and i love to engage with people in direct messages and you know just have fun on there so instagram if you use the platform is probably the best way to get a hold of me but yeah then my website has links to all the books and all my projects so they can check that out there thank you very much jonathan we appreciate you coming on the show today and all the best Thank you for joining us. Today's podcast episode was brought to you by ownothingnonprofit.org.